Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Good morning, Connect Church. Let's thank our team for leading us out today. And it is so good to see you. Everybody have a pretty good Thanksgiving. I mean, we're preaching on gluttony today, so how's that going to go? Oh, for actually, John doesn't go there today, so we won't either. But, man, so glad to have you here on this Sunday, on this holiday weekend. So grateful that uh, you are here. And we get together uh, to make much of Jesus. Remember, man, we are V-lining today towards this end to connect everyone with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we do so now with the very Word of God. Now, before we begin our sermon, I try to find ways from here on out till Christmas to remind you every Sunday morning about how far you got to go until we reach the the Christmas holiday and celebration that is uh, Christmas. One of my favorite memes that pops up on my social media every time this year is really an encouragement for men. You ready? Here it is. Hang in there, guys. Only four more weeks till Christmas. You know what that is there? Man, that's old underwear and socks with holes in them. Because you know why? Man, you remember this as a kid, don't you? Man, you get new underwear, new socks for Christmas. You're like, man, I hate that. But then you become a man, right? You're like, man, I look forward to that. Like this freedom. What time of year we get to come and have new stuff? And, and so hang in there, guys. Four more weeks till Christmas. And this shows back up in the sermon. So just so you know. You're like, how in the world do you use that in a sermon? It's coming. We're going to do it together. But man, we're looking forward to celebrating next week that really the beginning of Connect Church is Christmas time uh, with our kids who are going to share the gospel in a beautiful and unique way. Uh, trust me, you think, man, kids service, man, I don't really want to show up. No, no listen, you want to be here. Man, it is going to fill your heart. And listen, most of us are going to cry. It is just really powerful. So I encourage you, as we begin to celebrate the Christmas season, uh, be here this coming uh, Sunday. Last week, we began to make the case in the Gospel of John that life is filled with impactful, with important conversations. And for a man by the name of Nicodemus, as we immerse ourselves in the conversation in John chapter 3, His conversation with Jesus could not be any more consequential than what it was. In fact, it's arguably one of the greatest conversations in all of the Word of God. And so while we spend just a couple of Sundays before Christmas and as we march into January after Christmas, diving into this conversation in a mini-series, we have infectiously entitled Nick at Night, and today we're on episode two. Last week was episode one. Today, we begin episode two. And so let me remind you of who Nicodemus is, who Nicodemus was in Scripture. Now, we know this. He's a religious leader. In fact, he was on what might as well have been the Supreme Court of Judaism called the Sanhedrin, a governing body that acted as the final authority in Jewish law and religion. Hey, Nicodemus, in a sense, was a big deal, but he also had a big dilemma You know what his big big dilemma was? Man, what am I going to do with Jesus? I've seen him, I've heard him. His big dilemma is what to do with Jesus. So he arranges to meet with Jesus under the cover of night, thus beginning this great conversation. And here in episode two today of this conversation, Nick at night, there's something we begin to uncover about this message of Jesus to be born again. Uh, Being born again means this, you ready? Out with the old and in with the new. That being born again carries with it as well the idea 
of out with the old and in with the new. Let's hop into this conversation in John chapter 3, where we were last week. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with them. Listen to the flattery. Man, he's really building Jesus up here. And watch this frank response from Jesus. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, remember that phrasing from last week means this. Hey, Nicodemus, lean in. Man, I need you to listen here because I've got truth worth believing. I've got truth worth living. I need you to really lean in and listen. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. It's evident here that Jesus is God in the flesh, that he knows Nicodemus' heart better than Nicodemus knows his own heart. Jesus doesn't answer Nicodemus' words here. Did you notice that? He answers his thoughts. Nicodemus wanted to make sure that he was part of the kingdom of God. He didn't want to miss God. But he not only wanted to see the kingdom, in just a few short verses, we're going to see that he wanted to enter the kingdom of God. He he was an older man. And so my guess is a lot of the background feeding into this conversation is that as an older man, his own mortality was forefront on his mind. That death probably wasn't as far away as it was when he was a kid. And he didn't want to miss God. He wanted to spend eternity with him. Thus, the conversation that he would have with Jesus. And here's where Nicodemus' hope lied. His hope was this, that by his birth as a Jew, that by his religion, it would alone secure him a place in God's kingdom and in heaven. And yet Jesus bypasses Nicodemus' flattery and aims his message right at Nicodemus' faith. And he looks at him and says, you must be born again. Hey, what a powerful message then, and what a powerful message still to this day. We talked about this last week in a culture that cries, born this way. Jesus has one message of love, one message of truth, and one message of hope. You must be born again in a secular world that tells us to follow our hearts. Jesus says, no, I'll give you a new heart. A new heart, we put a leash on and we make to follow Jesus and his truth. But you see, it's almost as if in this conversation, Jesus' words hit Nicodemus wrong. You you ever had somebody say something to you, just tick you off? You know they didn't mean it. Just made you mad. It hits him wrong. The message you must be born again wasn't seemingly what Nicodemus was anticipating, not really what he wanted to hear, but it was the truth he needed to hear. So let's watch his response to Jesus. Watch this. Nicodemus, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time in their mother's womb to be born. I'm going to be honest with you. This is a traumatic experience unfolding right here. Let let me just do this. Let me take Jesus' question, Nicodemus' answer, and let me just kind of make it more modern, and let me make it a personal example. It's as if Jesus came to me today and said, hey, Anthony, you know what you need? You need to be born again. And me answering Jesus... (laughs) 
You want me to go back in my mom's womb? I can barely fit in the booth at Aubrey's. You want me to go back in there? And that's going to kill my mom. Jesus, you want my mama dead? As ridiculous as I just sounded, I would argue, it's just as ridiculous as Nicodemus sounds here. There's a lot of debate on what happened here with Nick. A lot of people say, man, he's just, he's confused, you can see it. He just doesn't quite understand. Man, I'm going to disagree there. This is no simple-minded man sitting in front of Jesus. Nicodemus was a brilliant scholar, skilled in the art of debate, well-studied in theology, and skillful in critical thinking. The idea of this rebirth was not a foreign idea to him either. You see, alive in their culture and language that day was the motif of rebirth. The Greeks had their version. The Romans had their versions. The pagans even had their versions. But especially the Jews had their version of rebirth conversations. In fact, in Nicodemus' day, a convert to Judaism, a Gentile, meaning a person who's not a Jew, that comes to faith in Judaism was known as a newborn child. Nicodemus wasn't confused. Man, I argue Nicodemus is offended. Jesus' words hit him wrong. You see, Jews saw themselves as the only ones who were guaranteed to see the kingdom of God, to enter the kingdom of God, and to inhabit heaven one day. In their minds, they were heirs of God's kingdom by birth. They were entitled to the kingdom of heaven simply because they were born into the right family, a Jewish family. If Yahweh were king, by the way, he is, and his power and his sovereignty extends over his kingdom, then the subject of God's kingdom were Jewish in the eyes of the Jews. And by the way, Nicodemus was counting on that. And then walks in Jesus. And what Jesus teaches here in John chapter 3 begins to counter what Nicodemus wanted to hear. And so the words of God in the flesh who is Jesus, I believe, begin to bring some offense to Nicodemus. Hey, can I just, can we stop here just for a moment? And can I just give you a real quick thought? If the words of God hit you wrong, if they offend you, if they offend your thoughts, your attitude, or your lifestyle, it doesn't mean that there's error in the words of God. It very well might mean that there's sin in you and me. It's not what Nicodemus wanted to hear. One scholar noted this, and I love it. He says, it was taught widely among the Jews at that time, meaning the time of Jesus, that since they descended from Abraham, they were automatically assured of heaven. In fact, some rabbis, in Jesus' day even, taught that Abraham stood watch at the gates of hell just to make sure that none of his descendants accidentally wandered in there. So, so imagine with me, and it's not a big stretch here, Nicodemus in his mind after hearing Jesus say, you must be born again, going, say what? Born, a, born again? I was born right the first time. I have done the right things under Jewish law. I am a teacher of the law, a Pharisee, and a member of the Sanhedrin. And you're telling me my family tree is not enough? I'm not enough? 
All that I have done is not enough to allow me to see and to enter the kingdom of God? Hey, church, can I make an argument on Nick's behalf here? If anyone could have earned his way to heaven, if anyone could have seen the kingdom of God in and of themselves, it would have been Nicodemus. And now comes Jesus, who wrecks the notion that Nicodemus was enough. That his ancestral bloodline was enough. That his religion was enough. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, nothing you do is enough. You are not enough. Your religion is not enough for you to see the kingdom of God to enter into heaven. Hey, Nicodemus, you must be born again, and you cannot make yourself born again. I love English idioms or statements that we just say that don't sound like they make a whole lot of sense, but we know what they mean. Uh, for instance, you probably heard this in English, right? Um, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like, we've probably said that. At some point, we've used or at least heard it said. But this type of sentiment, is fact, in fact, translates through cultures. In the French language, they have a, an idiom quite like this. It simply says this, you can't teach an old monkey how to make a funny face. I love this in Spanish that you can't teach an old parrot uh, or that an old parrot can't learn to speak, right? This whole idea, and you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And then I think about this old dog, Nicodemus, this old man, and Jesus is telling him, hey, you have to learn one more trick. Hey, better yet, one more trick truth to see the kingdom of God and enter the kingdom of heaven hey Nick you must be born again hey Nick out with the old and in with the new Paul would teach this in 2nd Corinthians I love this 517 therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old things pass away behold new things have come hey do you know why You need a new heart. Do you know why we need a new life and to be born again? Because the old you really wasn't working for you. That old flesh, that old old you, wounded by sin, disease, by selfishness, plagued by its passions. Hear me, it wasn't working for you. In fact, your old you really wasn't working for Jesus either. And that is why he gave himself to give you a new you. And here's the point. The old you before Christ was not born, nor was it built to see the kingdom of God or to enter the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus, apart from being born again, Jesus is saying, you cannot see, nor can you enter the kingdom of heaven. And to make this point hit a little closer to home, watch what Jesus says. Very truly, I tell you, remember from last week, hey, Nicodemus, I need you to lean in. I need you to listen up. I'm I'm fixing to share some truth with you. Drop a truth bomb worth believing and worth living. He says this, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit, the Bible says, Jesus said, gives birth to spirit. I love what Jesus does here. He answers what I would call Nicodemus' smugness a little bit with sound teaching. He takes Nicodemus' offense 
and answers it with unwavering truth. He does not answer Nicodemus in like kind. Rather, he answers Nicodemus with the kindness and the love of God, reiterating what he has already told him. And in a sense, no matter how offensive Jesus' words were, no matter how caught off guard Nicodemus was, Nicodemus, I need you to lean in. I need you to listen. The message is still the same. You must be born again. Watch this in Titus. I love this passage. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Hey, just in case you start looking at Nicodemus and going, what an idiot, we realize we are too. Watch this, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Man, doesn't that speak to Nicodemus? Doesn't that speak to us? But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration. Now, uh, this word may be a little bit new to you here, but let's just put it this way. Regeneration is code word for being born again. It is code word for new life in Christ. But watch this. Through the washing of regeneration and through the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You know what I love here? It's like Jesus does to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Titus, we find, marrying together this idea of water and spirit. Puts them side by side in the text to speak of being born again. And so what these texts begin to teach us, it really boils down to this. Nicodemus, you ready? Hey, buddy, it's time to say so long to self and come Holy Spirit. It is time. And it's out with the old and in with the new. Now, there's a lot of debate out there around the phrasing here in John chapter 3, water and spirit, namely having to do with water. What does that water symbolize? There's some who would argue the water symbolized is baptism, but contextually that doesn't hold water, no pun intended. Here's what it means. Baptism, Christian baptism, had yet to be commissioned, had yet to be commanded by Christ. Some have taken water and they tied it to the amniotic fluid that is present at the birth of a baby. And, and maybe that's what it's talking about, that physical birth. But the problem is, is that type of thinking was not alive in the minds of the Jewish people in that day. And maybe I'm just a simple guy here, simple-minded. But what Jesus is doing in John chapter 3, talking about water and spirit, flesh giving birth to flesh, spirit to spirit. I think what he's doing is, is he's appealing to Nicodemus was something that was familiar to him. And what could have been more familiar to a teacher of the law, to a Pharisee, to a member of the Sanhedrin, than the Holy Scriptures of the Old Testament? And so like Titus 3, there are Old Testament passages like Isaiah 44 that tie together water, which is symbolic of the cleansing of our sin and the pouring out of God's Spirit. They tie together the water and the Spirit in the day of the promised Messiah, which we, of course, know to be Jesus. Watch this in Isaiah 44, verse 3. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. The phrasing water and spirit point us to this one truth, that it is alone the spirit of God who can make us born again. So in short, hey, no Nicodemus, you can't climb back into your mother's womb. And I wouldn't try it. No, 
you cannot make yourself born again. Nor can you merely be born and see and enter the kingdom of heaven. Physical birth, yes, gives birth to physical life, but the Holy Spirit alone can bring spiritual life, eternal life, everlasting life in Christ. Simply put, and here's the truth we must embrace, there is no evolution from flesh to spirit. Hey, Nick, your religion can't get you from flesh to spirit. Hey, Nicodemus, your good works can't get you from flesh to spirit. Your critical thinking, your theological learning, man, it can't take you from flesh to spirit. Here's the answer. You ready? Nicodemus, you must be born again. Are you starting to see a trend here? There is no other way for Nicodemus, for you and I to see the kingdom of God, to enter the kingdom of heaven, except by being born again. You know, I got to thinking of, you know, somebody might say this to Jesus and cry out, Jesus, I, I, I want you to make me a better man. And now I read John chapter 3. You know, here's what I think Jesus would say to that. No! It's far easier to make you a new man. It's far easier to make you a, a new woman, a new boy, and a new girl. My brother, who's a pastor in Seymour, says this about God's grace through Christ. He says this, you cannot good your way into heaven and you cannot bad your way out of heaven. I love that. It's the work of God's grace. His spirit, you must be born again. But Jesus not only uses scripture, which is familiar to Nicodemus, to explain being born again, now he uses an object lesson. Watch this. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. He begins to bring up the wind. Now listen, I wasn't there that day for that conversation. But knowing that God orders even the weather on this planet, that Jesus is God in the flesh, I bet you about five minutes before here, Jesus was like, and calls in that wind. So at the right moment, as he begins to engage Nicodemus in this conversation about wind, all of a sudden the palm trees near them begin to flutter that pieces of cloth that were used as overhangs began to sway, that there was a whistle that could be heard from around the corner as the wind began to blow through and Jesus could say, hey, Nick, feel that? Hear that? See that? You see the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, this is hard for us to catch, but Jesus does a little wordplay here. The Greek word for wind is pneuma, and the Greek word for spirit is pneuma. And so he uses these as play on words here. The context really tells us which one it is. We know this is the wind that, that blows across the earth, and we know this use of the word is the very Spirit of God. And so Jesus, in a really colorful way, begins to use an object lesson. says, hey, Nick, you can't see the wind, but you can see its effects. Hey, we don't know where it comes from, but you can feel its effects. The wind blows as it pleases, and you know what, Nick? You can't control it. And so what Jesus is saying is that being born again is a work of the Spirit alone. You can't see him, 
but you can, you can feel him. You can see the effects of him at work in you. You cannot control him. But Nick, you must give him control, the very control of your life over to him. You must be born again. Hey, hey Nicodemus, I know you got a lot of old in you, but it has to be out with the old and in with the new. But Anthony, what, what does this part of the conversation have to do with me? What point do I walk away from today going, hey, look, this is, this is how this idea of being born again, this truth of who we are in Christ and being born again matters. And that is this, that hear me, believer, our greatest hope in this room today is tied to the fact that you and I are born again. Watch Peter kind of celebrate this with the church. Praise be to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want you to hear me. The greatest hope we have in this room is tied to the fact that we are born again. And that is alone a work of God's Spirit by faith in Jesus Christ. All right, Anthony. This is episode two, sermon number two on born again. Are we wasting our time here? Why preach again on being born again? For one simple reason. I want you to know that you don't have to put up with your old self anymore. Hey, li listen to me. You don't have to put up with your old self anymore. The fact that you are born again and it is a work of the Spirit of God by faith in Jesus means literally this, that today you have the power to be out with the old you and in with the new you. Paul would write the church in Ephesus and say this in chapter 4, verse 22. You are taught with regard to your former way of life. Watch this. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And watch this. To put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And I love what he says to the Colossian church. He simply says this. Put on your new self. Put on your new self. Being born again, yes, means that at times we wrestle against our old self, our own sin nature, our old sins, our old vices, our old addictions. But being born again means that we don't have to be mastered by them anymore. Hear me, church. While Jesus has made us born again through faith in his spirit, we must still make the decision day by day and sometimes moment by moment to put on our new self. So let me put it down. You ready? Quit putting your old clothes on. Quit going back to your old self. You don't have to put up with him anymore. You don't have to put up with her anymore. Put on that new self, that new creation that Jesus has given you to live and to walk and to talk in the power of Christ. Why? Because you are born again. Remember I told you I'd bring up that, that meme I showed earlier? Well, here it is. How ridiculous would it be on December 25th after living a whole year with underwear and socks that look like that to get brand new underwear and socks on Christmas 
like everybody gets, every guy gets every Christmas. And then on December 26th, going back to wearing this stuff. No, no, what do you do when you get the new underwear and socks for Christmas? You throw the old stuff away. You never go back to it. And then you go on with the new. Let me tell you what we do too often in our walk with Christ. Is he is, because of him we're born again. We have this new self that's in Christ. But day after day we put on the old clothes. We put back on the old self. We struggle with the same sin. We go after the same lust. We give in to the same addictions. We go from freedom to slavery yet again. And yet, we have the power at any moment and any day to put on our new self and to have absolutely nothing to do with our old self. You are born again. Put on your new self that is in Christ. Get rid of your old way, your old clothes, your old self, and put on Christ. Tomorrow, I have the, uh, the great honor and privilege to uh, preach the funeral of this little boy. Um, Doug, it's your nephew. This is Merrick. At six years old, on Thanksgiving, his daddy Adam, who's a dear friend of mine, sent me this text. Merrick's had a whole lot of... Uh, and just a whole lot of challenges in his little life. And we had been, we'd been praying for him and been to the hospital to see him. And I'm going to share this text with you that came over on Thanksgiving from Adam. He said, guys, I want to first of all thank you for your prayers for my boy. Our sweet boy Merrick took his first steps ever just about an hour ago. He was so strong and fought so, so hard. He fought the good fight. Finished his race so, so well. Please keep us in your prayers. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Merrick next week, but uh, tomorrow we celebrate his life. When I got this text on Thanksgiving, we had just arrived in Alabama to be with my wife's side of the family. Man, I left the room and just and broke down and cried for Adam and Brooke and Caden. And then, after I had a little crying fit, I texted Aaron from outside and said, I want you to send Bennett out here. And I hugged on my boy for what seemed to be an hour. It was so annoying to him. <laughs> but man, I needed it. Then I texted her and said, send out Avery. Send out Chloe. Send out Sadie. Yesterday I got in from Alabama and I went straight to Adam and Brooke's house. And for two or three hours we sat and we just talked about all the wonderful times. We laughed together. We cried together. And, and we just wanted to make sure that as I celebrated his life tomorrow that I honored them and honored him well. For the first 30, 45, maybe even for the first hour I was there yesterday. Do you know the most comforting of thoughts? 
the most celebrated of moments was the fact that on Thursday on Thanksgiving, Merrick, with his own eyes, got to see the kingdom of God and enter the kingdom of heaven. That a, a little boy who never spoke a word in all of his life whose life and his smile, even through the struggles, would preach a thousand sermons, was now singing with Jesus. That little boy who never took his first steps here on earth, because he couldn't, on Thursday, ran into the arms of Jesus. You see, the greatest hope that we have and that we are born again is whether you're an old man like Nicodemus or you are a six-year-old little boy who never tasted sin, never knew rebellion, never spent a moment of his life separated from God. And because of Jesus, we too will see God and enter into heaven and eternal life with him. And church, you know what that does for me? Tomorrow I'm going to preach his funeral, and I'm going to point everyone there to Jesus. Because you know, I don't know how many more Thanksgivings I got in me. After the way I ate this past Thanksgiving, it's not a ton. But you know what? I look at that little boy and think, you know what? How good is God? And you know what? So I'm going to wake up tomorrow and instead of having to deal with my old self, because I'm born again, I'm going to put on my new self. I'm going to do what Brooke and Adam have been forced to do. Is that they've held their son for the last time and they choose to put on hope and trust and peace singing songs like it is well, even when it isn't, because they know that Jesus is going to make it well. And so they choose to put on their new selves in Christ. You know what? There is joy and peace that passes understanding when you and I stop dealing with our old selves and we make a decision day by day, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes for me, moment by moment to go, no, 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 I'm going to have nothing to do with that old self. He just wasn't working for me. Today I put on my new self by faith. I'm born again. I'm His. I will serve Him. I will love Him. I will serve and I will love other people because of Him. And so I encourage you, this message of being born again that we're now two weeks into is a wonderful invitation for you and I to go out with the old, in with the new. Not just on a Sunday morning, not just when it's nice outside and it's Thanksgiving weekend, but when you hold your six-year-old boy who's gone home to heaven, when you wake up on a Monday, knowing you're going to have to say goodbye to that body you so loved and 
kissed on and hugged on. You put on your new self. When you go to work, when you go into your marriage, it's not the old you. It's the new you. That only Jesus can bring out with the old and in with the new. Let's pray together, can we? As we pray together, man, I told the early service that if you've been with Connect Church for any amount of time, you may start getting annoyed at the fact that at the end of every service, man, I beg and plead with folks to come to Jesus. I mean, I just can't help it. Whether it's a six-year-old little boy or an old man like Nicodemus, I am convinced that Jesus is the best way to live this life and he is the only way to die. And if you are here and you can't attach this hashtag of born again to your story and your life, the good news and the hope of the gospel is that today you can. That by faith, you can cry out for Jesus to save you and through his spirit, he makes you born again. He gives you new life, everlasting life. And I want you to know, if you're sitting there and you're not certain you're his, you're not certain you're born again, why not cry out for him right now to save you? And then you pray something like this from your heart to God. Just, Dear Jesus, I, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Please save me. I place my faith and my trust in you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for rising again. I give you my life. Jesus, I want to be born again. Help me turn from my sin and myself. Jesus, I am yours. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.